know, you, you start banning guns and you start taking away guns from people who will use them responsibly and use them ethically. Anyone who has a gun should go to jail. I'm at Cherry Orchard at Starbucks, uh -huh. and um, there's a gentleman that just walked in, and he's got a gun on his hip that looks loaded in two magazines. I'm a lieutenant colonel, United States Army. I'm looking for a fucking hitting. Welcome to episode 021 of Open Carry Radio. I'm your host, Bad Ace, and this show is hosted at OpenCarryRadio.com. You can also follow me at Twitter.com slash B-A-D underscore A-C-E. Uh, I know it's been a while since I put up an episode, so I wanted to get one out to say, yes, I'm still doing these. Uh, and I appreciate everyone's emails and uh, you know private messages that they've sent me and comments on YouTube and stuff. So it uh, hasn't completely faded away. I've just been very busy and you know still open carrying every day uh, getting stopped on occasion uh, we'll talk more about that later uh, in this episode i just want to address a few things that have been going on there's been tons of open carry news and i think that you know if cool username comes on we can go through those piece by piece and try and dissect some of that uh, but i had a couple things i just wanted to get out there and talk about so uh, on this episode we're going to be covering a few things one i want to at the beginning of it, review a 911 audio that uh, was sent to me uh, that was obtained through California's version of the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, it's a uh, 911 dispatch audio, and I actually have quite a few good things to say about it. So, let, I mean, we, we, should, we should, we'll listen to that. Uh, there was also a large group of open carriers that did another, uh, not the first time you know, it's been done before, and uh, it's been successful every time. I saw a couple of things, you know, a couple of things online were talking about, you know, that they couldn't believe somebody would do this, you know, or that, you know, why are they doing it now and this kind of stuff. It's been done before. And uh, I also know some open carriers that go up to San Francisco, you know, every other weekend and, and enjoy the, you know, the city uh, just like anybody else does. So uh, it's not unheard of. I think that this particular instance got more attention because it was publicized and it was a group meeting. Whereas when people go individually, they don't you know run into these kind of problems, or at least I'm not hearing about it. They haven't sent me the stuff, so uh, I wanted to, to. We'll talk about that briefly, and also uh, I wanted to quickly touch on something that I heard about today, and I couldn't believe the symbology, the um, the Real ID Act, or um, the you know the, the new, these new driver's licenses that a lot of states are doing, and that's kind of how they're going to get their wedge in into the doors. That instead of just coming out and saying yes, the federal government is requiring you to have a federal ID, a show-me-your-papers-please uh, type Germany thing. Uh, th they knew that that project wasn't going to happen, so they're going to just slowly work it in. So first it'll be commonality of driver's license. Like, you know, they'll, they'll pitch that having some guy from Nevada driving around in, uh, you know, Kansas that, you know, it's confusing and, you know, they got to find the date and what if he wants to get beer and it's not clear whether he's 21 or not and, you know, these kind of things. Or they should be at least at a minimum uh, a central database is what they'll try and convince you that, you know, someone should be able to ping it and see if he's got warrants all across the country and just, a you know, a click of the laptop there inside the cruiser. So that's what they're – they're going to slowly work that in. Uh, my, my ultimate uh, anticipation for that is that they'll – 
then tie it into your uh, medical and also your uh, financial records, which will be a benefit to you. Uh, maybe not, you know, it'll, it'll be your kids definitely when they, when they hit college age. And uh, the, the proposal there will be that you've got too many things that you're carrying. When we're consolidating, uh, you know, music players and phones into one and, you know, you have all these different credit cards. What if you could just kind of melt them all together and have one credit card? And, well, why carry a credit card and an ID when you could just carry your ID? Because you've got to show both, so they might as well be affixed to each other. And they'll just tie it all in together. It'll be great. Um, so the, the a lot of people are online saying, how come when I went and got a driver's license, uh, they had a lot more questions to ask? I mean, I had to not just prove that I could drive. I had to prove uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt who I was and the clincher that I was a legal United States citizen. And if you can prove these things, of course, this is they're phasing it in, so it's sort of optional. I bet some states it's you know you can it's it's the it's the default. But if you don't have it, no big deal. If you do, the no big deal part, if you don't if you can't prove that you are a U.S. citizen and also provide them all the the litany of information that they do want, the thing you don't get is a special little star. Well, it instantly made me think. You know who else had to wear stars? Jewish people in fucking Nazi Germany. I mean, come on. They're literally putting a star on you. I mean, you might as well sew it into your clothing or on your lapel or something or tattoo it on you because you are now their slave. They've got you lock, stock, and barrel. It's over. You're already in the system. If you want to opt out, they're going to make it really difficult for you. And I, I, I want, so I guess we're starting with this one then. This was actually the last thing I was going to talk about, but I've already talked about it way too much. So uh, we'll talk about this, and then we'll also get to my most recent detainment, uh, which the only reason I posted online and it's got a lot of uh, you know people talking is because I got stopped by two different departments in the span of two minutes. So back to the real ID. Uh, I wanted to play this clip that, I, that uh, I've, I found from listening to the podcast No Agenda. If you're not listening to it, you should. Uh, let me play it, and I'll stop it, and, and we'll comment on it, you know, as 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 it goes through. Because there's a couple things that that hit me uh, w- when this was was brought up. Things that I know because I travel a lot. I, I travel internationally, which is you know, uh, there, there's a few more steps that people are asked to go through sometimes, like customs and things like that. And so there's there's some. Uh, interesting things that I've learned, and I've started to exercise my rights. Is it's not just always about open carry. I mean, the it's it for me. It's about exercising all of my rights and and retaining them. So let, let's review. This is from some uh, CBS channel. Um, they've got an I team, an investigative team. But right off the bat, you're going to hear that this thing is packaged. The the lady that's doing it already knows what she's supposed to say. This is not. Um, they're going to kind of make it look seem fair and balanced like they're t- telling both sides, but they're really just educating you on how it's going to be. This is not uh, – this has already been predetermined, and they're going to lay it on you. Uh, they're also going to make a couple of jokes like, ah, it's no big deal. Here we go. investigation now that sounds a bit like grade school. Get a gold star on your Florida driver's license, and you'll be allowed to board an airplane. No gold star, you could be out of luck. It's all part – of the Real ID Act, passed by Congress five years ago to help make travel safer. But as ITEM investigator Stephen Stock has discovered, what's really being beefed up are the profits for the identity management industry. 
bam. So right off, they're going to they're gonna make this a, a consumer alert kind of thing. Like, oh, it's really about capitalism, how horrible it is, and these people are out to make money. You know, yes, I, 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 I've seen – you know documentation that these guys are all in bed with each other, and that you know some a lot of the 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 heads of you know Department of Homeland Security or you know different uh, DOD groups will be working with the government and you know step out from that role only to go and 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 help get some piece of legislation pushed through to then uh, get the company they just worked for some sort of contract. And to be honest with you, at a micro level, I've been guilty of the same thing. I mean, it, so I. I w- was in a uh, special ops unit, and when I left, uh, we had a piece. We had some equipment there that was unique to our unit and was not being used by what we called the regular army or the big army. And I left and worked for that company. Uh, they were they were paying well, and my job under no uncertain terms once I got hired there, and it was that was to then turn around and help them win the big army contract for that same product. And it was just going around and shooting the shit with my old army buddies, and talking to this guy and talking to that guy, and shoot, you know, sharing war stories and stuff. And and then you know, inside that conversation, I, I consider myself a bit of a salesperson. Was to uh, explain how this product from the from from the company I now work for was going to serve all of their needs, and how it was being used already in Afghanistan and Iraq, and uh, you know, in different natural disasters, and how it was just it was, it's been it's, it's been a, an amazing product, and you guys should just get it. So. I'm guilty of the same thing, and I can see how it can happen. And then, before you know it, that's kind of what you're you're in the middle of. Um, do I feel guilty about it? Not in a not not in the sense that I was selling a product or getting a, a getting a awesome product to soldiers that could use it. I the only thing I feel guilty about is like maybe some of the the police keeping we do around the world and the fact that we were even in a war period you know the, so I I bought into the whole propaganda and stuff when I was in and now as a a party on the outside looking in and learning the stuff that I learned just before I got out and some of the cover ups that I was a part of and things that I was asked to do while I was in the service that didn't seem right and only now that I'm out I'm like okay now it's it's it was clear why I was doing that. And uh, th- those are the kinds of things that I feel guilty about. Um, but so in, in this message, this, this woman who's kicked it off, it's already the fault of these horrible communists, right? And or not communists, I'm sorry, capitalists. These horrible capitalists and the things that they are doing to steal, you know, to like make a profit. Wow, horrible. But she's already pitched, and, and, and the inflection of her voice and stuff is that it's approved by Congress. Ah, that's a good thing. Uh, you know, you should be wanting this. It's also that it's to make air travel safer. Everybody wants to make it to make air travel safer. And it's it's all just crap. This doesn't do any of those things. It's just about control, and it's about making you a slave. So let's listen to some more of this. Never, ever, ever, ever. Oscar Perez can't ever remember being asked for a social security card in order to get a driver's license. Alex Hernandez has the same gripe. Over the phone, I was just uh, told maybe a couple bills, something with my name, my address, and that should be it. Uh, Now apparently they want that plus the social as well. Providing an authentic social security card is just one of a list of new requirements for what's become known as the National ID Program, named Real ID. The 9-11 Commission found that the hijackers were gaming the driver's license system. Wisconsin Congressman James... 
bam, right there, association. So they, they've tied in the terrorists with the, the lack of this thing. This is a service that you need that if you don't have it, the terrorists win. You're, you're, you're going to get it regardless. Uh, just, 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 just take it and you'll be safer. But this is complete bullshit because you can get on a plane without ID. People do it all the time. They show up to the airport and they've lost or their, their, their wallet was stolen. And you've got somewhere to be and you've already paid for a ticket and you know, all, all that stuff's very expensive. Do you really think that they're just going to say, sorry, tough titties, you can't get on this plane uh, because you, you don't have your ID? It's not true. I know, I know for a fact. I've got a friend of mine that uh, he was tr- he's from outside of the country, he's from Canada, and when he was traveling, he didn't have the credentials that they expected him to have, and they still let him fly. It was just a matter of then reaffirming who he was and making sure he wasn't on any sort of like terrorist watch list and things like that. So it's regardless of what this old geezer here says about them gaming the system uh, for driver's license, it even if they didn't have driver's license, they just showed up and said, hello, my name's Amak Madula, and they get on the freaking plane. It's fine. It's They're not... They're not uh, – a lack of ID wouldn't have kept them off. And also having a super extra cool credentialed silver Star of David BS on your thing isn't going to keep them from blowing up a plane. They could be totally legit guys as far as the state's concerned. They can still do terrorist acts. This doesn't make you safer. Benson Brenner sponsored the real ID law. The states that refuse to cooperate are going to end up forcing their residents to get a form of federally approved ID. Under the law, beginning in 2000... See there, your, your state that's opting out that said, no, we won't take this. This is too much. Again, it gets back to states' rights. The, your state right, uh, the states can supersede the federal law is in a lot of in a lot of instances in almost all of them as far as as far as, far as i know and so the state can say no that's enough we're not doing that because you're overreaching it's it's not it's not in the constitution it's not something that you know gets been approved by congress but it's not something that is originally in the the documentation that set up the country there's nothing there's no requirement to have an id it doesn't exist there's not even a requirement to have social security that's freaking optional so and this, this guy wants to plant it in your mind that when this comes around next year or the year after, that any politician that is standing up against this is putting you in danger. In 14, people without a gold star on a driver's license or ID card will not be allowed to board a commercial airplane, enter a federal building, or a nuclear facility. Only a passport that costs more than $100 will be used as an acceptable substitute. First of all, we set up a system where uh, a state... DMV would have to check against other state databases. And secondly, they restricted driver's licenses only to people who were legally present in the United States. This is an attempt at standardizing uh, all 50 states' driver's license. That's Senator Bill Nelson. If anybody wants to look that up, Florida's on board with this. When I was searching for the gold star reference, I just saw tons and tons of people from California that are concerned about this. They're, they're just... They're, they're, they're in on it. It's just they're totally on board with this. And this kind of stuff just, just ticks me off. I don't even know if we want, if we want to listen to the rest of this. Let's, let's see. Florida Senator Bill Nelson supports the concept of Real ID while acknowledging its personal privacy concerns. That will help when you're checking somebody's ID to see if they are who they say they are. There's just one problem. Only 15 states have met this year's deadline to adopt Real ID. 
There, see, they've already, they've already. This is like programming. This is why they call it television programming. They've explained to you there's a, there's only one problem. This is a problem. The fact that these, the only a few states have complied is a problem. You have to listen to that. Also, uh, passports cost a hundred dollars. This is for you know, rich people will be able to do this, but uh, you know, everyone who's normal is going to have to get this ID and save money because it's a hundred dollars to get. The passport—it's expensive. It's too much trouble. It's it, th- these are the kinds of th- things that are already in this package. I wouldn't be surprised. I should go back and review the audio of this. I wouldn't be surprised if this thing was created and then sent to this quote-unquote I team and you know the C- this local CBS station, and they just said, "Here, here's the news. Put your hot you know little uh, uh, anchor woman on the, at the beginning, and have your other guy do the voiceover, and here's the script he reads." 27 of the states have passed laws or resolutions against Real ID. Good for them. Eight more states have done nothing. It becomes like a permission slip from school. Chris Calabrese serves as legislative counsel for the American Civil Liberties Union in Washington, D.C. Where things you used to be able to do as a free American, like vote and work, now suddenly you've got to get permission from the government to do those things through a national ID card. But it's not the federal government. It's individual states that are collecting your personal information. Bullshit. See, that's just, it's, yeah, they're, doing, they're, they're the lackeys that are doing the work, but this came down from the feds. This is something that they – a law they created and pushed it down and said, each one of you states, you'll, you'll comply with this. They need that done because if the feds come in to, to make this happen, it's going to be obvious that this is federal repression. The, the, if you actually have like federal agents going around and collecting this information, you, people are going to get wise to it. But if you have the state do it, your friendly local you know, Ohio or your friendly California DMV, et cetera, et cetera, there, then it seems like, oh, it's just you – know, no one came door to door and took my information or pulled me off on the side of the road and, and you know, forced me to ID myself and then enter me into the database. I was just – renewing my driver's license or or for young people i just went and got my driver's license for the first time they don't even understand they don't know that that system that they just stepped into is different than it was a year ago and for the most part those states are relying on private corporations to collect the data does that raise even more troubling issues it does i mean for the private corporations this is like surveillance on steroids because they use it to make money and we're talking big money The Department of Homeland Security estimates it will eventually cost nearly $10 billion to implement Real ID nationwide. According to the U.S. Senate Office of Public Records, the list of private companies wanting to protect... Yeah, this goes on and on. Then they start getting into consumer crap. Um, So you get the idea. Uh, I'm going to put a link in the show of a letter that uh, somebody wrote to their senator um, about uh, traveling without an ID and um, then the senator wrote you know, on behalf of that person to the TSA, I have the letter that uh, the TSA responds to, and they, they explain that, no, you don't have to have ID. You'll just, if you, that if you don't, um, that if you're flying and you don't show ID uh, to the TSA um, checkpoint, that you'll just have to go through secondary screening. It's like, well, big whoop. I mean, like, so... You're, at this point, you're already going through the naked body scanner and or getting groped and you know having all of your most intimate places touched and rubbed over. So why not go through – I mean what is, what is secondary to that? I don't, I don't understand at this point. This is from 2007. So I bet secondary is exactly what you're doing now. So don't even travel with, with, with an ID. Screw it. Practice. See, see how far you can get without it and just like have it in your back pocket or maybe in your, uh, you know, your luggage 
buried deep down in there and then, I don't know, pull it out. If you get, I don't know. That, that could go wrong. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Like, this, this, is, this is the kind of stuff that makes me want to opt out every chance I get. If there's some sort of new government infringement, some sort of new system, I'm, I'm just opting out. I mean, if, if California is on board with this and the, when I go to renew my driver's license, which I'm debating on doing not now, uh, they, if they're doing this, I'm definitely not getting it. I'll start driving without a driver's license. Or in, in a legal sense, I'll start traveling without a driver's license. We'll see how far that goes because you know this might be just like open carry where the you, you talk to the average person from California supposed to be one of the most repressive places that there are for gun rights. You say you know can people carry a gun openly in public? They say oh, of course not. It's California. You have to you know that's impossible. But when you start reviewing the law, it's just bastardized. It's not impossible. It's just that they've made it really freaking weird and uh, you know you can't have ammo in it and or even touching it. It's got to be on the other side of your you know, person and uh, you know, then some cops still think it can't be within arm's reach, you know, because of some other weird uh, penal code uh, that only applies to a certain situation uh, where that could be considered loaded. So the what I'm thinking is that maybe you, if we follow this line of logic, I bet there's are tons of things that aren't the way we think they are when it comes to the government and laws and things. So I'm just going to start researching them and standing up for my rights every chance I can. So. So now looking at the time, I think this and it might go in longer than I expected to. For some reason, I thought we could get through this whole thing in like 30 minutes. No, we're at 30 minutes now. We haven't even reviewed this 911 audio. Let's hit it. So this audio was uh, sent to me anonymously by someone uh, in the San Jose area. And I'll bleep out some of the information that uh, people could use personally, including the person who called in. You know, screw it. If you, if you want to figure out who called in on, on these open carriers, then you can just you know do your own freedom of information act so let's uh let's take a listen to this thing this is someone calling into the uh the 911 Santa Clara 911 what is the address of the emergency Actually, I don't know if this is an emergency or not I actually know the non-emergency number but I work at Ocean Supply Hardware and I had a customer coming and tell me right now that there were two people in our parking lot who got out of their car and they have guns on their hips and they have like um ammunition around their waistband I don't even know if that's legal or not Okay. Did, were they displaying the guns, like brandishing them, or they were just in, like, in uh, holsters? Um, I, don't, I don't know. I asked the customer to stay with me while I called, because... Okay. Can you get out and take a look at them? Sometimes we have these folks that, that do this open carry thing, and I'd like to make sure that uh, that's what it is versus, you know... It's a great question. The first thing he says is, you know, well, she already said that they were in, in a holster, uh, and they also had ammo on their hips. Uh, and then the the... This uh, dispatcher follows up and says, "Yeah, it could be an open carry thing. You know, we want to go out and take a look. I, I don't know if it's if, it, if we're making the assumption that anybody with a gun would you know is is dangerous, which some police departments do. Um, you know, San Francisco and you know big, big, some of these bigger cities. That's just kind of the assumption that's made. The when when you listen to, when you listen to this and he says, "Yeah, go out out there and take a look. I don't know. I mean, it's, <laughs> if, you're, if you're really that afraid of guns, uh, that might not be the." The safest thing for you to do. Somebody did anybody see him? Can you describe him to me? And he said there were like a couple, like in their forties or fifties. I didn't see them. A, a male and a female, or two yeah, males. A male and a female. Okay. Can, can you get out and take a look so I can get a description of them? Actually, they're not out there, so I can go back out there again. Let me go walk out there and see if they're there again. I got their car and their license plate number. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead with the vehicle description. It's a Mazda sixty-six. It's like a gold color. Okay, and where is it? Is it parked in your parking lot? Yeah, Orchard Supplies parking lot. Okay, and where did the people, the, the couple go? 
Uh, he said they were walking towards like Starbucks. There's like Starbucks and a bank over there. Yeah, they usually go over to a Starbucks. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I love that part. Oh yeah, they usually go to Starbucks. Like like a moth to a flame. They can open carriers can't resist Starbucks. They oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so it's okay to you know, you know. Well, I mean, it's it's perfectly legal as long as that's what they're doing, but we want to make sure that we'll come out and just verify that, that that's what they're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll, since we'll, we'll come out to see that that's what they're doing and violate their rights at the same time. Uh, just a second. Can I get your last name? Yes. And your telephone number is 247? Yes. Okay, did they uh, give you any description of this man and woman other than, the, I mean, they're white, black, Asian? He didn't say. He just said they were middle-aged, like 40, 50. Okay. All right. I'm going to get some units started that way. I'm going to put you on hold. In the meantime, I'd like you to look out and see if you can see them. Okay. Now, see what might be what what, what might be great is if they they actually dispatched an officer, right? Because he doesn't know, and the guy drives through, sees them drinking their coffee, and he goes, "They look like open carriers," and he hightails it out of there. Now, I don't know how many times that's happened to me. It's it's entirely possible uh, that that's what happened in this case, or that uh, that's what's going on with you know me or other folks when they're out open carrying. We just don't know, you know. So it's it's like. Uh, you know, we don't have statistics for crimes that didn't happen. You know, some people say, well, you know, open carry is not, you don't have any proof that it did Turk's crime. Well, yeah, because it's, nobody writes that stuff down. Like, we don't, we're not psychic. We don't know what didn't happen, right? And so in the, on the flip side, when it comes to police oppression here, we don't know how many times uh, people ca- have called into this uh, San Jose dispatcher and the guy calmly got enough of the data from the person and and determined that this was probably somebody acting within the law and you know just because they're in that mode right now and it's part of their protocol uh and their standard operating procedures that they went ahead and sent out an officer that that i think that that time will change where they don't even bother to waste the resource to send an officer out but you know who knows I mean, these, these guys could be you know doing the right thing i i i know you know for me it's uh, it's entirely possible. Ma'am? Hello? Hello, yes. Hi, can you hear me, ma'am? Hey, I think my phone's... I see their phone. That's just there, John. They're, you said they're gone? No, they're there. Well, I don't need to see the car. Where are they at? Over at Starbucks? I don't know. I, I, didn't, I didn't even see these people, to be honest. A customer came in and told me. Okay. All right, we'll get somebody out there. Thank you. number? Ma'am, I can't hear you. Your phone's breaking up. Did you want their flight number? Yeah, if you have it, I sure do. It's um four. Three. Yeah. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye bye. Here comes the interesting part. Thank you for calling Starbucks Online. This is Heather speaking. How may I help you? Hi, Heather. This is Mike with Santa Clara Police Dispatch. Um, are you the manager? No, I'm not. Josh, he's not here at the moment. Can I? Yeah, I, I like. Uh, we got a report from Orchard Supply Hardware. A customer reported to them that there was a uh, male and a female in their middle fifties that uh, was walking from the parking lot over towards your uh, coffee shop, and they had uh, guns in their holsters. Now they weren't brandishing them or threatening anybody, and we're wondering if it might be one of these open carry. Situation. Do you have anybody uh, either in your uh, coffee shop or maybe out at the out front that might look like they have, you know, a holster on? Let me take a look. Hold on. Okay. Um. See, it's, it's, I, you could read this two ways. One way you could say, wow, these police departments are going through quite 
a bit of effort to try and like track this person down and you know get you know bust him or something like that. But you know, you read, on the other side, you could read it as this particular uh, dispatcher is doing some due diligence, and that that's uh, the the uh, the previous caller had already mentioned twice that they thought that they went to Starbucks or parked in between Starbucks and the the supply store. So it was very logical they could be going there. And so he calls, goes ahead and makes a call to that Starbucks. I mean, it's, it's for me, it seems reasonable. You could, I think you could read it both ways. Um, and he also, when he's talking to the person, he tries to be very calm and, and cool and assures them that no one's running around with a gun, that they're not brandishing it or doing anything like that. So uh, he wasn't trying to incite any sort of fear in the person that he was contacting at, at the actual Starbucks. So, uh, you know, you, that's, that's, that's what makes me think that he was there wasn't really malice in his heart that he was trying to, you know, get this guy or whatever. Uh, he just wanted to kind of wrap it up. Or maybe if they, the girl said, yes, they're sitting right here, he would, you know, we, we might have heard a conversation where he says thank you to her and then radios to let them know it's an open carry situation, respond accordingly. So it, it, it could have gone that way. Who knows? Let me see if I'm going to pop it right back in. Oh, okay. Now, what I mean, if I had more time, what I'd do is I'd try and look back in my archives of the radio traffic and try and pull that up, or uh, you know, do my own Freedom of Information Act type thing to pull the the dispatch audio, meaning what actually went out to the officers. What type of call did they get? Did they get a suspicious person's call? Did they get a man with a gun call? Or do they have some sort of new code for open carriers? You know, I'd um, I'd be interested to see that, but uh, again, it's it, those, those types of things take time, so I, I, I don't know that I'll ever do that. Honey, <laughs> I don't see anybody that looks like that. No, okay, nobody's sitting around with uh, guns and holsters or anything, huh? No, but uh, okay, you checked out front. Out. You checked out front too. Yeah. All right, and your name was Heather. Yes. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. So I don't know uh, if you guys want to comment about that particular uh, call. You know, you can shoot me a message on Twitter or uh, on, in the comment section for this episode at OpenCarryRadio.com. So I had uh, another stop recently. Uh, it's been quite a while since I had one, and I don't know how much of this I'm going to review. I might just put a link to it and let you listen to it. I'm getting mixed reviews from people, you know, uh, mixed feedback from folks online. Um, I'm, you know, hearing a, a small portion of people saying you're a complete douche and uh, you know, I can't believe you're a jerk to these cops and they were just trying to be nice to you and these kind of things. And then I've you know, I get the, the other side of the coin is, you know, the way to goes and, you know, keep standing up for your rights, that kind of stuff. And I appreciate both, com- I appreciate both comments, but I, I, I'm not going to change my tactics necessarily based on some of the negative feedback because I think that it comes from people uh, just based on the, the, the verbiage that they've used in some of their comments. I think it's coming from folks that already view um, law enforcement in all forms, local, federal, you know, sheriff, police department, uh, you know, TSA agents, Homeland Security, the military. They look at all these people as ultimate do-gooders that are infallible and are always there to help you. When in most cases, they're not there to help you at an individual level. They're they're there to help the overall society is what some of their main missions are and you know to quote unquote keeping the peace and things at an individual level their goals are to investigate for crimes and try and determine whether you have committed a crime 
and that's it. So if these officers wanted to be my buddy and hang out with me and talk to me about my dog and his, and his stupid name and all this other stuff, then shit, I'll talk to him all day. But that's not what they're doing. They're trying to they're trying to stop me and determine whether I've committed a crime. So already I'm on the defensive because it's not as if I'm fleeing a scene. It's not as if I have stolen property in my hand or, you know, uh, uh, bloody hands or something. There's nothing. There's nothing that would lead a person to think that I may have been involved in a crime, right? They've admitted many times in court documents and in their own police uh, memos that just simply the act of carrying a gun openly isn't a crime, right? Or reasonable suspicion that a crime is afoot. So when they are stopping me, at that point the things I say and the things I do could land me in jail. Now, if I stole property, I mean, I'm, I'm holding a, a stereo that I've just smashed a guy's window and took. No amount of talking or being completely silent is going to keep me from being arrested in that moment. But the situation that I'm placed in is a unique one where if I slip up, I could find myself looking at more or looking at charges or uh, jail time or a restriction on my rights, as seen uh, with uh, a guy named Theseus down in Southern California who was carrying legally, and when detained for a lengthy period of time, they uh, illegally searched his person and pulled his ID off of him. He didn't offer it up; they pulled it out of his pocket. And that piece of information, knowing his first and last name and address, is was the clincher that got him uh, taken to court. If they didn't have that information, they wouldn't be able to do it. Um, there's, there's, you, you don't know which piece of information that an, an officer who's investigating you is going to use against you. Right. So as, as we listen to some of this, uh, I'll play some of the, the audio from this in, in a counter and include a link that you can, you can watch the video if you'd like. The, when, when I do talk, I try and ask questions because I'm not making statements of fact or statements about myself. I try and ask them questions, uh, and, I, and, I, and I like to think that that helps me learn new things from, from these officers and deputies, but also keeps me from divulging information about myself that could be used against me. And you'll hear right at the beginning, the, the, the initial officer that contacts me knows exactly who I am. I've talked to him before. If you look back, there was an audio recording because my, uh, that I posted about of a conversation he and I had. So he knows who I am. Hey, it's District 9 responding for a 1066 up and call De Anza and Fallen Leaf. A male is walking a dog carrying a holstered handgun, white male in his 20s, 5'10", dark hat, blue hooded sweatshirt. Hey, uh, 1066 for anyone who wants to know is a suspicious person. It's going to be on event 680, working on channel 2, Got it. R1. Good. Hey, Dave. I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. We already got the call, Dave, so... So there he's calling me, Dave. He said, hey, Dave. And I actually just said howdy to him and walked past him. So anybody out there that's leaving comments about how I'm goading these guys and you know trying to entrap them and all this other crap, I tried to walk away. Like I just wanted to say hi and I wanted to keep on going, but he kept saying, you know, he goes, no, come on, he kept waving, waving to me, come on back, and we already got the call, and so he initiated a conversation. Now, uh, in, in in hindsight, looking at this, and, and I haven't stated otherwise, 
this initial con this initial conversation though we all know that there's a a, a larger umbrella of of a threat of violence uh when you're when you're talking to officers that if you don't talk to them you know you could be in trouble somehow or uh you know tased in the back or whatever but the first conversation that I have here is actually a consensual one. He just said, "Hey, David, the calls have come in," and you know, and I turn around and we just start talking. This is a, but by, by legal definition and in any court of law, what he and I are now having is a consensual conversation. Hey, how you doing? So what's going on? Taking the dog for a walk. Just, just out walking, huh? Okay. Well, calls are already coming in, as you already know. All right, I'll okay. let I'll let you know that I reserve my right to remain silent. I also don't consent to any searches of my person or my property. I understand that. That includes serial number searches. I understand that. All right. We've been through this before, right? Okay. So you don't mind if I check to make sure it is not loaded? I do mind. Okay. This is your your deputy, Lowry. See, now there I said that I mind. I didn't say that... And I didn't stop him. I didn't say I won't let you do it. I just said that I mind, which I I, I liked to think was a, uh, a bit of a gray area. I'm not refusing the search. I'm just saying that I mind. You know what I mean? Like, just... In the same way that somebody that had committed a crime would kind of mind being put in the back of a cop car. I don't know. Yes. All right. And okay. your car number is 843? Yep. Roger. Okay. So you you are open carry, right? Unarmed. Or unloaded, right? So we're going to take it to the next level is what we're trying to do, right? So there he's commenting because I'm just looking at him like a bullfrog looks at a wristwatch. And so then he, he cl- it clicks in his mind that I'm about to... Um, <laughs> uh, in his words, take this to the next level because in in his mind, I've refused the search. You know what I mean? But I didn't. I just said that I mind that that he checks it. I that I do mind, and uh, you know this, this this cop's he's a nice guy. He's a nice deputy, and it's not. He's not in this demeanor. He's actually when you're watching this video, he's just leaning over, petting the dog and stuff. So he's not, not in a threatening posture or anything like that and so he's just having a conversation with me what's your dog's name you never did tell me last time so i'm not consenting to any searches i'm also not going to resist any violence that you decide to use against me why would i or want physical to use any violence? or physical force why would i want to use any violence against the business you guys are in so there i had already even when i noticed that these cruisers were like circling around me um i walk against traffic which if you're an officer and you're listening to this uh this isn't a tactic per se but uh now you'll know my my modus operandi here uh i walk against traffic and that gets me two things one uh i don't like being snuck up behind i don't want uh, a cruiser to like and and that is the first i know that you're gonna stop me and, and do one of these uh unconstitutional uh checks and that's also not the time for me to go reaching for my camera or my cell phone and that kind of stuff. So uh, I walk against traffic, and that way I see you coming up a little bit more. Also, it puts my strong side out on the street, and a, a fraction of the reason I carry is for um, acclimation, if you will, or uh, you know, acclimating the public and desensitizing them to just the sight of a gun. And it's clear in the way I dress and the activity that I'm doing, in this case, walking the dog, uh, a couple times a week that I do this, that I'm not a cop, right? I mean, most people would d- discern that. And so that's I, I walk against traffic for that reason. 
Oh, that's, that was my point. My point was that I saw these guys coming. They'd been kind of circling around, and or they'd uh, you know, drive up, and then they noticed, oh, crap, he's on the other side of the street, and so I need to go down and make a U-turn to, to, to intercept him, right? Um, I think if they jumped a median, which they could do, it'd you know, be pretty obvious what they're trying to do, and also might be... Um, a bit, a bit more of a reaction than necessary. But when he was doing that, I started thinking to myself, I started going through some of the things that I planned on saying the next time I got stopped. But it's been like, a, a, like almost like 10 months or something uh, since I'd been stopped between this, this uh, interaction and the last one. So I was kind of like, oh, what, 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 what were some of, I was thinking to myself, what were some of the things I wanted to say or ask these cops? And the first one was that I've been reading a lot of stuff about different police departments having a monopoly on violence. I mean, at the end of the day, the they're hired to dole out violence in you know, the increments that are that they deem appropriate. And if I try to do that, I'll go to jail for assault. But if they do it, they're protecting themselves. Trying to go home at night is a common phrase that's used, um, or. Uh, apprehending bad guys and all these are supposed to be noble things but if I do any of these I, I'll land myself in jail or at least in front of a jury of my peers trying to explain why I used physical force under any circumstances it, it, it'd be assault so I thought to myself I wonder how many because I've met plenty of cops that have been really cool like I, I, I've had some just kind of wave at me and I had another one early on um, who was really pro-gun and uh, he helped me learn just through, not, not that he explained it to me, but in me reviewing After Action, you probably find an old episode of, of the Open Carry Radio where I discuss this. He stopped me, and he wanted to do like the quickest e check he could, and then just wanted to shoot the shit with uh, with me about guns. And so he was like, he's like, oh hey, I just want to stop and talk to you, um, and you know, check to see that your weapon's unloaded. And I said, cool. And he just like with his eyes motioned like towards the my sidearm as if to indicate, like, go ahead and show me that it's not loaded. And I did. I pulled it out, racked the slide, aimed the, the port, the chamber at, at him, and let him observe that there was no ammo. And I said, no brass. And he said, no brass. And then I let the slide rack forward and reholstered. And then he just wanted to have a conversation about how long I've been open carrying, why do I do it, does anybody ever um, give me a hard time, um, you know, and that kind of stuff. And the... Only after reviewing that, I thought, oh, my God, what what could have happened if a second officer – because I don't think he had time to radio that in. Uh, he was just on the side of the road dealing with somebody else, and I happened to walk past him and on my route walking the dog. And so he wouldn't have had time to radio that in. And can you imagine if another officer was just coming up to help him with this traffic stop that he had, and he saw me – reaching for a gun and are like pulling it out of a, I mean who knows what could have happened with, with that scenario so that taught me to to never reach for my gun when I get stopped uh, if I'm going to do it I, I let them do it I also don't give them any body language like this first guy that stopped me I don't turn my hip to them and lift my arm and, and kind of like go I'm not you know even though I'm not consenting to any searches I'm not going to stop you from getting it and I kind of like motion to let them get it I'm not, I'm not even making it that easy for them I'm just going to stand there and look at them it's one of the tactics that they use to make um, people that are being interviewed or interrogated talk is silence. Silence really does um, does a number on the human psyche, and they'll just say something. They'll ask a question, and then they'll just sit there and look at you because they know deep down it is it is getting to you that there's this silence hanging over there. And then your brain starts racing, and you are um, 
conditioned through just human interaction with people to come to respond to that and it's a tool that they use so i'm just using it back on them and a lot of people think i'm a jerk for just standing there looking at the guy i'm i don't consider it me being a jerk if if it is then i hope that you're calling every cop that you know asks questions and then stands there and stares at people i hope you're calling them a jerk too because it's got it's got to go both ways and i don't think i was being a jerk when have you ever had that issue with us the sheriff? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've read some of your stuff on there, and you haven't had anything negative that you've had to say about us. There you go. I like that he uh, listens to the show. So um, if you're listening now, howdy. <laughs> uh, or at least reads the blog, right? Good on them. Um, I, know, I know a lot of departments do because when I do, um, I periodically do these public records requests with just about every department that has ever talked to me. Um, and even some that I'm just interested in what they have to say about it. And, you know, I sit there and read all your guys' emails and um, BlackBerry text messages back to each other. I, I appreciate it. So keep that up. Let's see. I'm going to skip ahead here. There's a lot of talking back and forth. Um, somewhere in the middle, they actually explain that uh, they are only stopping me because San Jose got called out, which is another department. Right now I'm talking to the Santa Clara uh, Sheriff's Department. And they're saying, well, we wanted to kind of come out and maybe – these aren't the words they're using. I'm paraphrasing. They kind of said they wanted to defuse the situation or make sure it didn't get out of hand or whatever. And I kind of implied. I was like, well, you know, does, does they were asking me like uh, if – because they know who I am, it's cool. But San Jose doesn't know who I am, so it might not be cool. And I said, well, that shouldn't really matter. I, I think that each one of these officers should be treating people the same. Um, I mean, at least with a certain level of decency. I'm not saying the same where you know a guy versus you don't know a guy, right? That's different. I'm saying um, that each person should be dealt with equally and, you know, not being completely jacked up or felony stopped because you haven't stopped that guy before. That's just rude. Um, And I think in their heart of hearts, they knew that San Jose could have come out and been, you know, totally out of control. And uh, they just wanted to make sure that, that didn't happen. Uh, so, so in that case, they're actually being pretty nice, right? If, if they're trying to protect me from a different police department that has a history of not treating people fairly. And if, and if, you, and if you think I'm just characterizing um, San Jose, do some YouTube searches of San Jose or like look for cop watch as a keyword and San Jose. And there are too many to count uh, of these uh, abuses by the police department in San Jose. So um, if you're an officer in San Jose and you're thinking to yourself, this bad ace guy is a jackass because I'm not like that, then fine. This isn't directed at you. You know what I mean? Your shit don't stink, so you're fine. I'm talking about your other buddies like to get jacked up and get their adrenaline fix by, you know, roughing up teenagers for skateboarding or, uh, you know, for- forcing entry into places and, you know, getting all jacked up on that stuff. And so man with the gun calls is like a heroin to these people. So uh, now I'm skipping ahead to a part where uh, they said, you know, I would want anything else for you. And I, I, I could have continued to stay there. And I think that that's what they wanted me to do was just to hang out with them, you know, silently or not, and wait until San Jose showed up. But I thought I want to, for, for documentation purposes and just as an example, to, you know, to other open carriers, I want to make these detainments – uh, though illegal, I want to make them as short as possible and kind of get a, 
uh, an average of what a detainment takes so that when San Francisco PD keeps you on the roadside for 30 minutes and makes your kids cry and uh, you know, illegally searches you and stuff, then and they say, well, that's how long a detainment takes. In court, you can point to the other 20 times when it took less than two minutes, you know, that kind of stuff. So uh, here I'm, I'm walking away from, uh, from, from their, that detainment and I spot the San Jose cruiser up at the uh, intersection. meaning that unless through dispatch they can tell this guy that I'm code for. I don't know. We'll see. See how much of a douche this guy wants to be. And there, for the record, I said how much of a douche he wants to be. I wasn't calling the officer a douche. Uh, other people accused me of that. in his jurisdiction now, so... It's true. I'm way out of their jurisdiction. No Unless there's some sort of law of where they overlap, I haven't seen anything like that. I don't even know what that means. And again, I'm just I'm standing over by the uh, the in, the crosswalk, and the the other sheriff's deputies are still in the parking lot that I just walked away from. They're in eyesight. We all three parties here: the San Jose police, the Santa Clara Sheriff and myself, excuse me, we can all see each other and, and we all have a pretty good idea of what's going on here, right? And the guy comes out and starts asking me if I uh, had been checked already. Now, I didn't want to answer that question um, because I thought it could incriminate myself or put me into a different category with this guy. If I had said, yes, I've already been checked, that's actually a lie, um, in that they, I, I, I guess it could be construed as a lie if you define the 1231E check as checking that it's loaded. I mean, they have the authority to do it. So I guess well, some officers could say, well, I went out and did the 1231E check, which was just to see that he was an open carrier and that I didn't have any suspicion that he would be carrying loaded. So he could feel comfortable, yes, I did a 12, I'm compliant with 1231 because I have the option, the authority, lots of police officers use discretion in their job every single day and that could be another case where they do and then another officer might or you know look at it and say no unless you've physically observed an empty chamber that e-check wasn't done so it could go both ways and um so my yes could be depending on which side of that fence you're on my yes could either be factual or it could be a lie and I didn't want to get stuck doing that. So I actually heard him quite well when he said, did you get checked already? But I just played dumb and said, I'm sorry, I, don't, I didn't understand what you said or something like that. Let's see what it is. Excuse me, I didn't hear you. That is the sheriff's department. Okay, we're just checking to see if they have already talked to you. I've already talked to the sheriff's department. Okay, can, I, can I see your weapon real quick? I do not. Reaching for oh, don't step any closer to me, sir. So... So here he's just he's just asking, hey, can I check your weapon real quick? I mean, like the, again, this is now you know a, 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 legally this is a consensual conversation. He's just like you know maybe he's a gun nut, I don't know, right? So if you're an open carrier out there and someone goes, oh hey, can I check? Your, can I take a look at your weapon? You you don't you don't necessarily want to say no because they're going to get you both ways, right? He's not saying, hi, I'm Officer So and So, and I'm here to complete you know. Penal Code twelve thirty one E as I understand under the law and blah you know like and that commences now you know it's, it's not it's not as clear cut as that he's just saying hey can I check out your weapon now 
if I don't like people putting their dick beaters on my uh, stainless steel firearm that I have to clean later, I'm you know if if you were a civilian and said, hey, can I take a look at your gun? Of course, I'm gonna say no. Like, do you, no, you cannot touch it. No, you cannot see it or take a you know hold it any of that stuff. Now, if I say no to this guy in a costume with a tin badge, that could be that could be uh, construed as me refusing this penal code. But he hasn't said I'm invoking penal code, whatever, or, or you know he didn't explain to me that he has the the, the legality to do that. He would already have. There's one the one possibility is that he would assume that I already know that, and he's hoping I say no. I, I mean, I, uh, there, there's no there's there, there's a chance that this guy is just thinking, please let him say no. I really want to fuck this dude up. I just I just want to grab his wrist, twitch him around, you know, get get him on the ground, handcuff him, put him in the back of the car. I I, I want to do it so bad. And please say no. So you can't say no or you know yes. If you say yes, now you're not you're not even in the legal sense where he's forced you to do it. You can't after the fact go back and say, well, I was only complying with the law. This officer would say, I just want to look at his gun. He said, I could. I, we weren't even talking about laws, or I wasn't doing a 1231E check, or you know, I didn't violate his rights because I asked. I didn't demand it. I didn't use force to, to check it. I just asked. You know, can, 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 I, can I look at your gun? Can I get you to turn out your pockets? Can I know your name? Can I look at your ID? Can I sleep with your sister? Can I check your back seat? Can you open the trunk? These are all just questions, right? None of them are legal requirements. So keep that in mind when you're talking to these officers. I'm asking you to not... I'm informing you. Okay. There, I was going to go off on... uh, Because this guy got in my personal space, and it's it's hard to tell from this video, but we're talking about the distance of a... If you took the palm of your hand and, and, and put it up against your chest and then stuck your... Kept with your palm still, your palm and your wrist up against your chest, and then stuck your fingers out as far as you could. The tip of your finger is where he was. If I had done that, I would have been touching, you know, the his buttoned-up shirt. That's how close this guy got to me. And so my heart rate had already gone up because I thought this is it. This guy's not wasting any time. He's going to maybe claim later that he, you know, all these ideas have gone, have gone, have gone, are going a mile a minute in my mind. So I've already rolled out this scenario where this guy pretended that he heard the word no and saw that as reason to arrest and just instantly went into detaining me and, and you know, t- taking me to the ground and, you know, hitting me with the taser for resisting arrest and that kind of fun stuff. Um, a lot, a lot of fun videos out there of officers yelling, stop resisting arrest, and then going hands-on. I love those videos. Um, so all this has gone to my mind, and so instantly I was just like, wait a minute, you're standing way too close, and I asked him to, to not stand so close. And then I was going to follow up and say that I was asking him to stand at that distance, and I was going to explain why I wanted him to you know, not stand so close to me, but then I was like, you know what, fuck it, I, I, don't have to, I shouldn't be explaining to him anything. It, you know, I should just assert my rights and then walk away. Um, which is something, if you watch this video, I actually talked about with the last officer. Sorry, I'm losing my voice here. I talked to the last office, officer, and I, I was trying to get explain to him, like, what, you know, theoretically, uh, hypothetically, what if I just about face, just turn around 180 degrees and walked away from you? What would you do? You know, and, and I think that. If, a lot of officers should be asking themselves that, you know, with, with a litany of problems. You, you catch a guy who's got marijuana on him, you know what I mean, just walking down the street. 
and he just says, you know what, I, I don't want to participate in this interaction, this system, uh, you know, the things that you're going to do to me and that you're, the paperwork you have to do, and, and I'm just going to walk away. <laughs> and I'm, not, I'm not hurting anybody, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk away and continue to not hurt people. I mean, what are you as an officer willing to do in that situation? Now, I know what you're trained to do, and through repetition and with muscle memory and uh, you know things like that, you're you're going to detain him, and then and now you're in the detainment mode, and now he's in the resisting arrest mode, and you know, and it'll just kind of go downhill from that. But when you get back to the original situation, you are now assaulting another man because he was carrying a plant on his person that he intended to ingest at another time, and so I mean, you should really think about that that you you are using physical force and violence against another person. And so that, that, that's kind of the, the, the gist of what I was trying to get across to these officers without, you know, standing on a soapbox. A couple of things. One, right. I reserve the right to remain silent. Okay, perfect. Okay. I am reserving that right at this point. Okay. I'm also going to advise you that I don't consent to any per- searches of my person or my property, which includes serial number searches. Okay. All right? But I will not resist any sort of physical violence or physical uh, attempts to search my person. Okay, outstanding. Stand by for me real quick, okay? He's circling around behind me. Unholsters. Looks. Racks it. Tucks it back in. Good night, sir. All right, you too. That was it. (laughs) A a, a violation of one's rights has probably never been done so fast. (laughs) Leave it. So the rest of the video, you guys can take a look at that if you want. There's, there's a bit more in there. Um, there's a ton of squad cars. I mean, go watch them, count them. It's it's fun. Um, you know, some people were teasing me about stammering over my words and stuff like that. That doesn't hurt my feelings, you know what I mean? And you didn't, you know, you don't have a zinger on me. You don't, you're not, you're not putting me in my place. Like I, I, I know that I was doing that. I, I do have a small stuttering problem of my own that I deal with even when I talk to people. And I think that, you know, doing things like a podcast like I'm doing now helped me with that. Speaking more often helps me with that. But it's, it can be amplified when I'm in a stressful situation like looking at, you know, potentially being arrested or tased or killed. Um, and I'm not being overdramatic with the killed thing. We've Open carriers have been threatened uh, before. So... Uh, you know, those things are going through my mind, and the, those types of situations stand, tend to make me uh, stutter a little bit or trip over my words, if you will. And I'm trying to focus on getting certain pieces of information out and on record, my record being my video camera, uh, because I, in the event that this goes wrong, this encounter, uh, I want my attorney i want a jury of my peers i want a judge to be able to clearly see that i was not interested in participating with this this whole charade of them being able to stop and check me and stuff and and keep in mind the the only reason i am stopping and talking to these guys is because they have a history of using violence if you don't participate in their their game if you will you know what i mean this this uh game with rules and things that they've set up for you to live within it's their reality and if you don't accept it then 
they will do their best to make you accept it, which in, which includes and it's something that you know all humans are susceptible to uh, uh, pain and compliance through pain. Um, and what they use now is a general overall threat of that use of force. So, um, and that that comes for for some people, not all. I mean, like little kids when they see a guy in a uniform, they think you know firefighter, police officer, and they're they're not afraid. But people that watch cops TV show or or see you know the Rodney King beating, you then have an association. Uh, uh, you know, you can have a negative association with different imagery, and some of that imagery is uh, the police uniform, the badge, the front of a Crown Victoria, as you see it in your rearview mirror. I mean, there's a ton of different imagery that can change, you know, how how you feel and react. And these people aren't stupid. When I say these people, I mean law enforcement and the government. They're not stupid. They know full well what these things mean and what they mean to you. Uh, and they also know how to use them to get what they want. And what they want is you to accept their reality. You know, if I came around to you now as an adult and said, uh, you know, do you believe in, in Santa Claus? And you said no. And I said, if you don't believe in Santa Claus, um, I'm going to fine you, uh, you know, $1,000 because you have, to, you have to believe in Santa Claus. That's the law or whatever. And, you, you know, I have the authority to do this. And you're going to tell me to go pound sand, right? But then if I, I send you a nice letter and it says, you, owe, you know, this, this department, $1,000 because you've failed to comply with the acceptance of Santa Claus, then you might, throw that in the pa- you might throw that in the trash. But then I put out a warrant for your arrest, and the next time you get stopped because you failed to put on your blinker to make a right turn and they stop you, now they're not arresting you because you failed to make that, or that that signal for that turn. And they're also not arresting you on the face of it for not accepting Santa Claus. They're arresting you because you have a warrant. And that guy's just doing his job, and he takes in anybody that has a warrant. Now, if you try to explain to him on the side of the road, officer, this is because uh, department such and such uh, tried to coerce me into believing in Santa Claus and, and, and find me and stuff. This is unfounded. The guy's going to say, I'm sorry. I'm just doing my job. I have to take you down to the courthouse. Now, play out the scenario where you blow him off and, you know, roll up your car window and drive away. Realistically, what do you expect to happen? You are going to get hooked up. We're talking pit maneuvers. You're going to get, like, Ten cruisers, they're all going to be jacked up on adrenaline and be like, woohoo, let's fucking do this. You know what I mean? We're going to get this guy. He's a fugitive. You're a fugitive now on the run, avoiding a legal arrest. And that's, you, it, it, it's not silly because this happens to people all the time. I use the example of Santa Claus because I don't want to get in debate about whether it's, you know, appropriate to pay your child support or. You know, maybe you missed a court date, but that court date was because you didn't have your dog on a leash, and you think that that law is stupid, and you're not gonna, you don't have time to to listen to it, or you you know it's stupid, and you're gonna ignore it. But it it cascades like that; it snowballs, and the entire system is set up so that if you disrespect the system, you don't accept their reality at the beginning, it will be ratcheted up, it will be snowballed. To the point where someone will pull a gun on you. 
somebody will beat you about the face until you comply and accept their reality. And that's really, I mean, that's really what I'm going against, you know, or what I'm trying to get out when I'm talking to these officers. I'm caring because I want to protect myself. I haven't worked up the courage to start caring concealed uh, without a government permission slip. I also haven't worked up the courage to uh, carry loaded. Um, I'm, uh, my next step will probably be denying the 12031E check in clear and certain terms. I will refuse to do it at some point. Um, and again, the reason that, that decision isn't easy for me, I can afford to be fined. I can afford to go to court and prove that it's unconstitutional. The reason I haven't gone to it quick enough is because there is still a very clear chance that I could be injured or worse. So, I mean, that's just true about open carrying, period. But more if you get caught in contempt of cop, the, the, the situation could go wrong. So it, it, what I'll probably do, and I, and I apologize, <laughs> let me apologize in advance to the very friendly, nice officer <laughs> who I'll probably cherry pick to do this, meaning not, again, and I'm not goading officers, but I might care, you know, get stopped another 10 times between now and when I actually go through with refusing the check. The, the time when I refuse the check will probably depend on circling back around to officer friendly. You know what I mean? Like if I can, some of these that I know personally, um, I might just wait until you stop me again and then we'll play that game. Um, <laughs> so again, I'm, I'm, I'm apologizing in advance because you're going to be tied to me at the hip in court for the next couple of years. And um, I will do my best to, to mitigate the amount of, uh, you know, personal responsibility that you would have. You know what I mean? I don't want to own your home or anything like that. Um, but the department you work for and the uh, state, and uh, that's in quotation marks because it's it's up there with Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny, the state that you work for are going to have to admit that it's unconstitutional. Um, so anyways, let's get back to human rights. And, and whenever somebody wants to propose some sort of new law or don't you think this is reasonable or that's reasonable – what I'm trying, what I try and do is intellectually, I try and uh, break it down to its simplest terms. If you have a law um, and it's a compliance law, it's not a uh, tort thing where you know I stole from you and now you are out the whatever I stole from you and you, you have recourse there. Um, it's about you know things that victimless crimes. If you're, you're trying to propose to me that there are some reasonable laws on the books that arrest people for victimless crimes. You know, then it, I will follow this down to the logical conclusion. And if they involve someone using physical force or violence to get you to comply with this, uh, you know, this victimless law, then I can't agree with those, and I won't. I won't abide by them. Uh, that's 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 a long story. So try try that when you're when you're having some of these political debates. Just you know, see how far it goes. I mean, talk, talk about taxes. If, if uh, I didn't voluntarily offer to give you a percentage of my income to be a part of your community, then uh, if I decide to not do it, you know, not, you know, give you a percentage of my income, will you steal it from me using force? And if the answer is yes, then you know, I, I can't support that. So in a lot of cases it is. And then if someone says, well, you know, I think that, you know, 
these different social services should be free to all people. And say, okay, well, where are you going to get that money from? Well, we're going to get it from taxes. Well, okay, are you currently getting taxes by force? You know, and they say, so of course not. It's voluntary and all this stuff. Well, if it's so voluntary, why does the IRS own shotguns? You know, <laughs> why are they all trained in firearms? Uh, you know, extensive close quarter combat firearms trainings. They're 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 accountants for Christ's sakes, uh, but they've all got shotguns. And you 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 really should, you know, try and point point out the gun that's in that room. And in in that case, it's a shotgun wielded by an IRS agent. So if you want more of these kind of interactions, um, I mean, you can always open carry yourself in a state that's not friendly to it, and you get a firsthand knowledge of it. Um, of course, I do that within the law and make sure that you understand all the different gotchas and things and know what you're going to comply with and not comply with when you step out. And have your video recorder, your audio recorder as a backup. Have all that stuff going. If you choose to do it, do it smart. And if you don't want to do it and you just want to be a spectator, just keep coming back to OpenCarryRadio.com and you'll see some posts from time to time. I'll post other people's interactions and things and uh, you know, help, help you get a greater idea of what's actually going on in, uh, in the police state that you live in. Um, just want to help educate people and you know, spread the word about you know, freedom and, and people choosing for themselves how they're going to live their lives. And you should be able to live your life any way you want as long as you're not hurting someone else. And with that, I'll leave you with my uh, Twitter address, which is uh, twitter.com slash B-A-D underscore A-C-E. And I will encourage you all to be safe and keep your head on a swivel. Lots of folks back east, they say, is leaving home every day, beating the hot old dusty way to the California line. Across the desert sands they roll, getting out of that old dust bowl. They think they're going to a sugar bowl, but here's what they find. Now the police at the port of entry say, you're number 14,000 for today. Oh, if you ain't got the do-re-mi, folks, you ain't got the do-re-mi. Why, you better go back to beautiful Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Georgia, Tennessee. California is a garden of Eden, a paradise to live in or see. But believe it or not, you won't find it so hot if you ain't got the do-re-mi. Homer farm that can't deal nobody harm or take your vacation by the mountains or sea. Don't swap your old cow for a car, you better stay right where you are. You better take this little tip from me. Cause I look through the want ads every day. But the headlines on the papers always say, if you ain't got the do-ray me, boys. You ain't got the do-re-mi Why, you better go back to beautiful Texas Oklahoma, Kansas, Georgia, Tennessee California is a garden of Eden A paradise to live in or see 
But believe it or not, you won't find it so hot if you ain't got the do-re-mi. This podcast was created to provide accurate and researched information in regards to the subject matter discussed. The information is given with the understanding that neither the host nor the guests are indulged in rendering legal or other professional advice. Since your situation can be fact-dependent, you should additionally seek the services of a competent professional or attorney.